Hello, world. Hey. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. It's like I've forgotten how to say hello. <laughs> Why, hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of Life with Kaka, the show where I shine a light on producers from all corners of the entertainment industry to understand who they are, why they do what they do, and the messy parts of their journey. You know, the Kaka. So how is everyone doing? I admit the past few weeks have been quite challenging for me. I'm in that season where things aren't clicking, not really aligning, despite all my best efforts. The timing is peculiar because Lizzie Nastro Adler and I recorded this chat almost two months ago. And so much of this week's conversation touches upon the very issue I find myself currently struggling with. Dealing with the high highs and the low lows, finding stamina when it all feels dauntingly impossible, and you know, you're on the brink of a mini existential crisis. But life is funny that way, and the pod has been a constant reminder that while most producers, or really anyone trying to do anything slightly off the beaten path, share this struggle, we're not alone. The show has become like therapy for me. A wonderful reminder that no matter who you are, who you rub shoulders with, or what accolades you've received, we all struggle with similar challenges. Meditating this morning, I was reminded that every day is a miracle, even when it doesn't feel like it, and we get this one special day to do the best we can. However that looks like for you today, if you also find yourself in what I like to call Struggle City, I hope this episode helps lift you up even the slightest bit. Okay, so snapping us back to the present. Very excited to share my chat with the lovely Lizzie Nastro Adler. She is currently the head of development at King Bee Productions, the production company created by Emily Mortimer and Alessandro Nivola. Lizzie spent nine years at IFC Films as director of acquisitions and co-productions before shifting gears to becoming an independent producer. Some of her producing credits include the feature Skate Kitchen, written and directed by Crystal Moselle, as well as the HBO TV show Betty, which is based on Skate Kitchen and currently in pre-production on its second season. Lizzie's also a longtime friend and collaborator of writer-director Chloe Sevigny, and she produced White Echo, their third collaboration. Lizzie has had such a varied career, and her background gives her a unique perspective on putting projects together. It was a total treat to learn from her. So without further ado, let's dive in and hear from Lizzie. Yeah, let's jump in, right? Let's see how it goes. Awesome. Yeah, that's how I am. Just jump into the deep end. So take us back to the beginning. How did you discover producing? How did you find that this was somehow a viable career option for you? I started, I grew up in New York City. And um, and so after college, it kind of made sense to be returned here. I went to school upstate New York. And, um, and at the time, honestly, I was seeing a ton of movies and I felt like, oh, I... I, that would be something I would like to do. And um, it kind of just came to me weirdly. I didn't have any understanding of it too much. I had met a couple of people who worked at the shooting gallery and they were like, yeah, like I'm interning here. It's cool. Like we watch movies and like, okay, that's amazing. <laughs> and awesome. so I had started interviewing around and meeting people. But at the time there were very few production companies in New York City. And um, mostly, most of the you know, film world was in LA, of course. And, um, and so in a roundabout way, I, my first job, I came to producing in a roundabout way because my first job was at New Line Cinema and publicity. After looking into the production landscape in New York, it was just small and I think hard to crack into. Um, and the working at a studio, even if it was in publicity, was a great experience to kind of get the lay of the land of, 
you know, we were, you're the final stop in the film making everybody. So it was really interesting to get that perspective. But then after a couple of years, I really wanted to return to try and get to um, work in production. So that's when I started at IFC Films and um, I worked in, at that time it was still IFC TV and I was IFC Films Connected. So I got a little bit of a TV experience and also films and um, worked both on the production side and acquisition side. Yeah. You know, eventually after many years, they segued more into full-time acquisitions, which is was incredible at the time just because you're traveling everywhere, you're meeting a ton of different filmmakers, you're understanding, you know, the sales and distribution aspect. And, uh, you know, in addition to the acquisitions aspect of, um, you know, going to film festivals and tracking projects and getting to know directors. And so that was like a really wide sort of knowledge of the industry working there. And then after that, I still, you know, I still felt like I hadn't quite achieved working in full-time production. So I went, I left IFC and I became an independent producer where is when I really kind of jumped in and, and um, you know, on the first project I did, um, Lance Ed- Edmonds directed Bluebird, I, I, you know, I hadn't developed that at all. It was just a, a colleague came to me that I knew from the industry. I had acquired a film called Tiny Furniture, which mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I'm directing one of the producers was Kyle Martin and we had a relationship. So I helped kind of understand like a small piece of that financing of that film and got to go on set for it. And I, I loved, um, you know, the whole crew involved with that, the team. And um, it's such a beautiful, special film. And yeah, so that was sort of like the start of it. So you kind of went into sort of more a corporate track sort of off the bat, it sounds like. And so w- at what point in that did you discover like, wait, production and producing and being the person who's actually on the ground making the movie in some way, shape or form or the project is sort of I, where I want to be. And how did you connect the dots to eventually make that transition? Because that, that's a scary leap to go from the world you were in and the upwards mobility that you had to go on mm, a pause, all of this, put a break on it, veer left, you know, and then just go in a completely different direction. Yeah, no, it was terrifying. I had, <laughs> had nothing, no, nothing to kind of fall back on yeah. in terms of that, because, of, you know, as you well know, like you're only working when your project's actually greenlit and going or you're in yes. you know, financially. Yes. You're only getting paid when you're pro- like, you're always working, but you're only making money. Yeah. When there's production money. <laughs> Looking back, I think like the track is interesting because I, I kind of get got closer and closer to being a producer, even though it like took a while and I was learning other things about film. Yeah. Because, but it, because at the time at IFC, while it was so amazing, like we did, even though it was closer than publicity, we did only work on, finished films for the most part. I mean, the, in the last like half. But, mm-hmm. um, and I found myself like wanting to read the scripts and then give thoughts on some of the filmmakers that I got closer with, like read their next scripts, give maybe creative thoughts into it. And I felt like that was really where I felt at home and wanted to, you know, explore more and make, have those different relationships and not just kind of be negotiating the business aspect of it, even though acquisitions can be really creative. It was just like, I just kind of felt like I still wasn't at the point where I was making movies. So it, it was interesting. I found myself being very like filmmaker focused and, and let veering away less from like the exact sort of whole understanding of everything 
delivery distribution model and all of that. Well, I'm so thankful for that background. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure it served you extremely well. It gives you a perspective that I'm sure many independent producers may not have, at least not the depth, maybe the breadth, but not the depth that you bring. Exactly, because it is sort of another language when you're just starting yeah. to do it, you know, in that end. Um, yeah, so then, and so that's kind of where I figured, and, and at that time, it, I had been at IFC for a bit of time, and I was like, it's, it, you know, it kind of worked that at that moment, it was like now or never. Yeah, talk about taking that leap. Like, what were you thinking and feeling at the time? What gave you the gumption to just go for it? Um, it's kind of hilarious because you're like, okay, like I can figure this out. And you're like, it, you don't realize the amount of time that it takes to, you know, put a project together at that time when you're, you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay, I have three months to figure this out. And like a year <laughs> later, you're like, okay, like yeah. still trying to make something. No, but um, I think that I, thankfully I had so many good friends and colleagues in the film industry that, um, you know, oh, we uh, that I always stayed connected with mm-hmm. still knowing kind of the festival world and going to that, talking to people about that next step and still kind of popping up at festivals and, and talking about um, projects and seeing how best to kind of get them made or just get the next step of them, like attaching the director or attaching cast or something, which I think was through all those years of working in the industry. Like I had built up these contacts of people that, you know, I could discuss that with. And, um, and think of ideas for because I had seen so many movies, even when I younger, I talk to younger filmmakers, like no matter what aspect of the industry you are, it's like, I tell them like, just watch movies, you know, and it will give you ideas and it'll give you like references for directors and a language that, you know, you can talk through on the creative aspect when you're working with it. So, um, I think I was, I was still kind of like hustling. I was, I was at acquisitions, but I wasn't. (laughs) it's a much slower game right because like in acquisitions you're you're coming into it and it like the baby is fully formed in many ways and then the other side of it is like just such a puzzle of putting it all together and it's there's so little that is in your control which is terrifying yeah and my I think my brain kind of likes working out a puzzle so when I started Mm. into it okay okay that piece is there and let me think of the next piece and okay I know this person that maybe I can talk to about the next piece and so Mm-hmm. Did you face any sort of professional or even maybe personal identity crisis when you went from this position where you were maybe perceived a certain way by the industry or maybe your own self-perception and then shifting into this kind of scary indie producer role that's so there's no blueprint right for any of it. Did that have any impact? Yeah, I think it's I think definitely the transition was trickier in the way that having been on the side where you're kind of a decision maker for a lot of filmmakers, like you might be someone that could acquire their movie or, you know, want to, they want to make, you know, they, like I've seen, they want to make a deal with you. So of course you're kind of like getting the content, whereas on the other side, you really have to do a lot of work to get the, you know, script or other content to you. And so it's like, you just have to switch your thinking whereas before you're sort of kind of trying to 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 get through like what you think you like and what you think is works for your company and now it's just like okay like how can I read this and make this director's vision with being true to 
the budget and being true to the vision to make the script. And I think that, you know, that's definitely switching to, it's like you're asking a lot rather than, you know, people ask, asking things of you and it's a, it's a different place to be in. Mm. And, and I don't know if I explained that right, but, but I don't know if like mentally it was tough. It was just kind of inserting yourself in the landscape in a much different way than you had been. Yeah. So, so you never experienced this thing of like, oh man, like for a decade, the business has perceived me as a certain way and I'm leaving that behind to go do this, this tangential sort of path. And is anyone going to take me seriously? Or, you know, there was never any of that hesitation. Um, there probably like should have been, but no, I know if there isn't, that's great. (laughs) No, no. I think that I, it definitely, I had to. I mean, I think you're always trying to just like prove things to yourself. Like, can I make a bigger movie? Can I, mm. you know, even now I've been working in TV, can I, can I jump into the TV world in a way that I've done in the, you know, film world? And so I think part of it, it's like always trying to like prove a little bit to something yourself and define yourself a little bit. Um, and I think that's just the nature of being on your own. Like for a long time, I was on, on your own. And I think it's really extremely isolating and you feel like, yeah, you know, those days were, you know, so every, everything, when you're making the community, some aspect of it falls through. And you, I think yeah. the tendency when you're independently producing to like completely, you know, think it's always, think it's your fault or think that you could have done something different, but really it's really things just happen. And if you're a good producer, you kind of figure out how to, just make it all work. And I think that that's a really mentally really hard. And I think that when you're on, especially when you're isolated on your own, like seeing other people get into Sundance or going other places, you know, right. you, you tend to naturally kind of stack yourself up for those, but it's like, you just have to remember, like you're making certain decisions that on certain scripts and certain films and working with certain people that might not be the most linear direct path that other people have. And you know what, they've had their issues along the way too. Right. You know, I think that like it's kind of, taking it a bit in stride, but it's super difficult to keep that in mind when you're kind of the only resource for yourself. Yeah. How do you keep that stamina for yourself? How do you stay positive when things aren't working and they're not really within, it's not really within your control. It's just whatever je ne sais quoi of the business, like things just aren't clicking and you just have to keep pushing through. Like, how do you navigate all of that? Yeah. Well, I'm in a much I'm in a little bit of a different position and that now I work with a small team. I work with Emily Mortimer and Alessandra Novola. We have um, our assistant Kira and um, and we have a studio deal with E1 and that's been incredible to have partners and um, work, you know, everyone. I feel like it's, it's amazing because we all sort of have different strengths that we bring to it. And when we're talking about even reading a book and discussing that or, or taking the next step and, and attaching talent to a film, um, both, you know, any kind of talent. And, um, and so that's been kind of amazing to, to feel like you have just a sounding board sometimes or other per, another person's input or when you're coming up with a strategy. Um, and to answer that, like when you're by yourself, I think that the smaller successes just sort of like help you go like, oh my God, we made the movie. We got, okay, we got the, the we raised the money, you know, okay, now we shoot it. Okay. The sh- shoot ended and nothing major, like major happened. Yeah. Like, okay, now we're going to go to post. Okay. Like we got, you know, a rough assembly. So I think you kind of have to take it step by step and like celebrate those smaller successes. Cause for, uh, you know, it's very easy to be like, oh, well, I made a movie and it didn't like make $20 million, you know, but 
it's not set up to do that necessarily in the indie film world. And I think you kind of have to make sure you're like appreciating the minor miracles that go along with it. But certainly, you know, it's very easy to, I think, beat yourself up when you're uh, have all these balls in the air and and sometimes you, you know things don't click as they as they should but um but yeah it, it's now interesting to not have been in on production in, on a set for a bit because development is so different you're more you know right setting things up from another aspect i like went the extreme from from on the extreme end from the publicity that i started in yeah you've had such a, a well-rounded perspective on all these different important you know positions and parts of a project's life it seems that's it's really cool i'm sure you bring like a really unique perspective in the way that you approach the work yeah. It definitely helps with the bigger picture, I think. So you're not so insular because I think it's easy to be insular. But when you have mm. the background and, and, you know, I used to be like, oh, I wish I started out on sets. I would know so much more about producing. And then I've run to other producers and they're like, oh, I wish I knew how to negotiate like a deal. And I'm just like we everyone. Um, I like working with partners because they can bring different things, you know, and sometimes like, OK, do you like I can, yeah. you know, someone else can do, you know, one other aspect and I can you know, put this on. Yeah. There. And so how long were you solo before King B came around and how did that come into your world? I think I was solo, you know, how I've lost track of this, but about eight or nine years. Okay. So it was a while. Yeah, it was a while. Wow. And, okay. it'll, you know, in that time I made a couple features and four or five shorts, the, you know, with Chloe and um, actually one, the, how I met, how I came to King Bees, I, I had met Emily on a short um, that I produced and um, we got along well just in this like three day, two, two or three day shoot. And um, I, I think we had been talking for a little bit about the potential of um, if they had, you know, expanded on their production company, um, would I be interested in in working with them and I of course was immediately and then after about a few months or longer discussing it um they had locked in the, the you know the first look deal so you know naturally I brought Skate Kitchen to Sundance mm -hmm. congrats Sorry, after that finishes because yeah. that's totally insane and then in a great way but yeah, um yeah. and then and then I started right like when I came back from Sundance and we just jumped into it and um and they had had stuff that they were already interested in producing both films and TV. And so I jumped into that. So, um, yeah, now it's been two and a half years with them. And, um, and I have made another short together. That first one was called Wig Shop. And then this one with, with them, it was like a grant, part of the grant program for um, Through Her Lens, like the Chanel Tribeca. Yeah, yeah. And we made One Cambodian Family with, with Refinery. And that actually, like, had started working with Emma and Sandra. Emily had, had worked on you know, was a, was a mentor of one of these grant programs and had read the script and loved it and sent it to me. And then that's, I went to Shannon, Shannon at Refinery and, and they really responded to it too. And Lucas and Emily have just, they were both so great. And that was a great experience and Refinery all working together. So it was fun. It was really fun to be working with Emily in a different, yeah. in that, that capacity. And then to producing and development capacity. So that's been really cool. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, from the bit of research I did on Emily and, and you since joining her team, like it seems that so much of her mandate is this mentorship thing that she does where she really does support a lot of up and coming filmmakers, whether by doing a lot of shorts, being in the shorts, helping put them together. Um, she's a part of various programs. And so 
Is that a big component to King B? Um, I mean, I love that idea. Nothing, nothing officially, but I think just maybe partly who Emily is and, and maybe partly who I am, who, who we've met with people to talk about the next phase. And it's not necessarily a mandate, but I think that um, it, it is interesting to look at Em's, how she does, is, is up for doing a short and sometimes of a filmmaker who's made, you know, not a ton of films. And, and I think that's, pretty cool because it's it's really easy to dismiss i mean yeah the smaller the movie i think the harder it is to make so um, well i think it's huge right because for a, a sort of up-and-coming filmmaker like that it, it can be career changing for them whereas for em it could just be like oh a fun thing she gets to do something a, a new challenge for her as an actor or, or something um that just adds to the the body of work she's built a lot of women who are about supporting uh not just other female filmmakers, but uh, like newer filmmakers and giving them a shot. I think it's really awesome when you see women who really kind of put their money where their mouth is and really use the success and the visibility they have to leverage helping support other people. Uh, obviously being selective because you can't do it for everybody, you know, but but like within reason, because, you know, it is all about who you know, and, and mentorship is so important. Yeah, I think, no, I think you're right. I think that what's What's cool about, um, and I think I kind of mentioned, alluded to it a little before, but like both Sandro and Emily are so much hands-on producers and yeah. creative execs that it's like, it's not for her reading the one Cambodian script, like she really, you know, uh, gravitated toward the material and, and, and she, she gets some, she gets a thought and she likes something and she, and she wants to see how to figure out how to make it work. So that's like kind of the producing aspect, which is what I, yeah. when, when they were both, you know, Sandro produced Doll and M. Which I loved, by the way. Me too. I loved it so much. And I didn't even know them. And I was like, oh, this show is perfect. Like, yeah. um, And so now knowing them now and and hearing how, you know, how kind of incredible that on on their resources and, and, um, and their background, like making two seasons of that show, it's just so such a cool story to hear, you know, the depth. And then actually being able to have an HBO show, it's not, it's not easy as we all know. It is not, it is not. But as I said, like they're so hands-on. So if there's something that grabs them, I think that it's, you know, sending it to me was sort of, okay, well, you know, I want to, maybe we can try and make this. And if we can't, we can't, but like, let's try, you know. What about it for you makes you, you know, be passionate about the business? Like what about producing or stories like make you, light up what is that that intangible thing I think that keeps us all going we all have it because it's such a hard business <laughs> it's such a hard business and I don't even know if I, like that's such a hard question to explain because you're like I feel like I'm great like why do I do this like it, it really sometimes you have these moments where you're like it's just impossible and the, you're not doing it for the same yes you get paid but nothing clearly to the you know a, a, directly in, related to the amount of work you do in the long run. Yeah. I'm with a film where obviously, you know, I think some sometimes the timelines people don't understand because they're like, oh, you like got the script, maybe you gave notes on it, and then you went to raise the money, and then you had to like, you know, put a plan together to produce it. And then if you're working for the tax credit, you work like a year after on the tax credit, and then you're like still managing the account of the film. And then you're, yeah. you know, for about like, I'll like a lot of stuff, but I've gotten better about, picking things I'm going to produce with because you are with it for a long, you know, three years and you're not wholeheartedly into something. I think that can, you know, take away from the enthusiasm of it because you're with it for such the life of it, which is 
can even be up to five years. I mean, I mean, that's like, if you make it right away, you know, like, like there's a lot of stories about taking a long time to make a film, but like, you're still with it for so, so much of the life of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, partly, I mean, partly it's being, it is being able to tell stories. I think that, that that's one of the, the main mediums that I, I've, you know, been able to see life through besides experiencing it. But, you know, in the last like 10 years, like the level of documentary, I mean, there was always been amazing documentaries, which is like, you know, I, I was much less documentary driven than I have been in the last like five years for whatever reason. And, um, you know, that's incredibly eye opening to see all the work that people doing. And, and that those are like the length was like six years potentially following a subject matter. And, um, and I think that if we can doing that in the fiction side or the narrative side is like just that ability to tell those stories with a little bit of a different, you know, through a different lens. But, yeah. I, I don't know. I think once you start, it's really hard to get off, get off the roller coaster. Yeah, I, truly, the, this roller coaster metaphor for me, I've been using it for years because, like, it, 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 I always like to say, in the height of it, you know, you're like, this is a thrill. You're enjoying the ride. You're, it's loops. It's riveting. It's like awesome. But I always feel like independent producing is you have these highs and then at some point you're like vomiting all over yourself because you got like motion sickness and then when you're about to get off the ride and be like I just need a break like I just need to like take a shower and take a nap it's like the attendant doesn't see and you go again and you're just constantly on this roller coaster and you have to find a way to like survive it you know it's like survival of the fittest or something and if you can withstand however many revolutions of this roller coaster you're on your way to Sundance, kid. <laughs> and I think like, you know, those ups and downs are so monumental. Also, at the same time, you are gaining all this knowledge. So it's like, how can you stop doing something when you've garnered all this intelligence and knowledge? Yeah. And, and to your point, like you've invested how many years of your life into a specific project or a relationship or even into this business? I mean, I, I've been here almost 14 years and I'm, I'm young, quote unquote, but I'm no spring chicken. Like I've invested a lot. And when I have my down days of like, like you said, this, this is hard. Doing it alone is really hard. Having the stamina is hard. Finding a way to structure your life financially and also to create space for other things like marriage or a family if that's something you want like how do you do all of that and still have that endurance for what it takes to also put that love and care into each of these little babies that are your projects and sometimes it's you know on my darkest days I'm like I don't know why I'm doing this like I love stories but there is no guarantee for any of it so I know that. I don't think there's like a real answer. There isn't. As you as you make more, it gets strategies get easier, or not like right. actual maybe production, but the, the the way that you can come up with ideas to for solutions. I think is yeah. And your sort of calmness, you know, like I, like early on, you're just like if I get crazy about a problem, like you're literally gonna like lose your mind every day like you have to just sort of take like a little bit like examine it before jumping to sort of any even if let's say your money financing fell out or something which did happen you know on a film and like right before like they were shooting oh. on a short film and you're just like 
okay, well, we'll like, I'll use this money for this. And then we'll just, you know, maybe we could just like have to wait for the next, you know, round of money and post, but I think we can get through this. And honestly, like, what are you going to do if you're freaking out? You just like, maybe internally, but like, you have to like save those emotional and resources for like figuring out how to shoot and get, you know, get the movie made. But yeah, it's because even there are scary moments on set, you know, with State Kitchen, it was amazing, but we did, we're shooting all over New York and the kids are skating everywhere and we were super safe, but you're just like, as you know, as the person in charge and with the young, you know, they're younger, you know, sometimes I would just like look when someone's doing a trick and my heart would be in my stomach and it was all fine, but I'm like, yeah. But those skater kids are, 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 they are bold. They do some stuff that I'm like, I hope your knees survive this in 10 years. <laughs> I grew up like sort of with skaters in New York. So I was very into the world, but like we wanted them to do the thing too. So it was. Like, yeah. It's all that responsibility. You know, so. so at this point you've, you've been in the business now, what, like 20 ish years? Yes. 20 yeah, years. 20 plus years, one could say. So I'm sure in those two decades, with all these ups and downs we're talking about, there's been some some low lows, you know, and I'm particularly curious in some of these lowest lows for you, whether it be personally or professionally, whatever it is that got you there, how did you get through that to come up the other side and and still be here? You know, I think the producer, and I'm not just talking about myself, but I think like the makeup of a producer is like, it's really hard to totally give up and fail. So even if there's a moment where it just feels impossible, I think you either take a different tact or you try, like, I remember when I was, when I was first producing, I was like doing like sale, film sales consulting, you know, I was doing like six different type of jobs. I started, I worked at like a vintage studio and was like stacking shelves. Like I just was like trying to do everything. And, and I think on top of the fact that you're just like so busy trying to make it all work. I think that's the way that I think you just like try and take different tacks to like figure it out. And, you know, we've all, I think we've all had to wear like different hats and do different jobs to actually make, you know, producing sustainable because it's not really like, it's the really like the worst part about it is that um, it's hard to look when you're like making a budget. And sometimes the first like line item on the above the line stuff is that the producer's fee gets slashed. And I think it's really easy to do that. And I don't know, honestly, where that came from. Like, how does that have people, the people doing like the most work on it? How are they the ones that are, you know, that's identified in the budget as like not money, what we should put money toward. And that gets really tough. You're like, okay, well, okay. I want to make the movie. And I actually live on like this slash sort of producer fee and I get, you know, there's, you get sort of why people are identifying it, but you also don't because it's like, you're going to be the one with the film for a really long time. So I think that that's a tough, you know, model. And so because of that, you're like, okay, well, how else can I sort of subsist and what do I need to do? And I think that the producers out there will understand, like you just Oh yeah. Different weird consulting jobs, one of which was working in a vintage showroom. <laughs> so it was like But does it ever get easier? Do you feel like do you get to a point where it, you can breathe a little easier or is it just I think it does. I mean, obviously I'm in such a different position now like and also I've been in many different incarnations of it. Like I said, like we talked about earlier, like I was at a at a mini, you know, independent studio where the your expenses were covered and you're doing, you know, more 
more of a corporate feeling, but you're still being able to be immersed in the indie world. And then, so I was on my own for that, you know, nine or whatever years. And I will say like, working with, as I said, like working with other people and, you know, having a more consistent salary is like that, that got better, you know, like, so it's like, it's just, again, I think it's like maybe changing tack, like different ways that you approach it maybe it's staying the same and taking on like bigger projects that you know only taking on bigger projects rather than the smaller ones i think that there's tougher decisions to be made you know in regards to that i think like yeah we all love filmmakers and we love to work on a ton of projects but when you're an independent producer like there's only so few you can take on per year when you, you just don't have the bandwidth and so sometimes the ones that maybe you'd have to move on from or the first-time filmmakers or the $1 million indies, which we all love to make. It's kind of probably where a lot of us started out, you know? Yeah. That's a harder, a hard decision too. Like, just because you're like, oh, I have a bigger movie that I can make and I'll get more money. Like, sometimes that might not, you know, that might be a little bit of a tough choice, so. Yeah, it's like that art versus the, the commerce of it, right? Like, some projects are creatively beautiful and it's a huge risk and you take massive pay cuts and maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. And then some projects, you kind of are doing it for the paycheck and you hope that it turns out okay or the, that you care about it in the end. But it, there's, a, there's a difference to the perspective, I guess. But but I think to your point, it's like, I don't also know where that comes from, that idea that producers have to be the first people to slash their fees. And now 40 plus episodes of this podcast, I, I tend to ask the question, you know, what misconception do a lot of people have about producers? And it's that it's that producers make all the money when in reality, on the indie level, especially they are the first people to cut their fees. And they're with the project the longest and have been championing it for you know, you know, like years before I even got into production and thereafter. But maybe it comes from this adage of in the studio system, perhaps, you know, producers do tend to get these big, big fees. And so there's this psychologically, everyone thinks, well, producers tend to get big fees, so we'll just cut that fee. And they've applied that same principle to the indie side of things, and it couldn't be further from the truth. And you being from, you know, having the acquisitions experience, you may know that a lot of people will say, well, you can get back end and you can make your money on the back end. And it's like, sure, maybe like 10 years ago, that was actually feasible, right? Like when the Duplass brothers started coming up and you could make a movie for two pennies and sell it for a million and like, whoa, life changing for everybody. But it seems more and more with the streamers that those days are kind of gone, right? Like, is that terrifying to say? <laughs> yeah, I have potential back end in a few movies. I just don't, I think it's really hard to get to that point um, on indie films. I think on bigger films, you know, maybe not, or maybe the bigger films back end doesn't matter, but I think it's partly like maybe we've been letting it slide and, and take the fee cut because we know the movie will get made and maybe that's more important to us than, than thinking of the fact that like, you know, all of our knowledge and expertise is maybe being undervalued, you know, and I, and I don't know, I think you're right. Like, I think that it was maybe probably based on an older model that doesn't make sense anymore. And I know a lot of people, a lot of producers have tried to sort of see how there's a way to, to fix that. And maybe that's what you take to your next film and sort of change that conversation. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, I think one of the biggest things for producers and especially indie producers is that sustainability factor. Yeah. You know, it's, quite impressive 
on any level, someone who's able to make a movie and bring it to any festival and be able to show it to the world because it's really, really difficult. Yeah, it's a miracle. Like, so many things can go wrong along the way and do and then you're still course correcting that it's like to get to that finish line and then get to showcase it at like such a premiere stage like these bigger festivals is just like yeah and then you're like oh my god thank god these festivals exist right now just having the documentary that we produced and of course all our you know our strategy or festival invitations you know fell out at the start of the pandemic and and it's just like you then you look at all these festivals and they're so diligent and like tenacious and they're just putting it together putting their festivals together both virtually and like pivoting that way and you're just like okay thank god like there are people out there like that and that's not easy and um that's a ton of work and so the fact that it's like almost like okay like we're happy to do the work on our end and and other people are happy to do the work on their end and and I, I always feel like the film community in that way is small, you know, and maybe because we live in Brooklyn and we're in the New York film community and it, maybe it's a, a smaller vibe anyway. But I really am impressed with all the pivoting and the discussions we're having about, um, you know, everyone wants this world to continue. So we have to it out and we're all yeah. and it's the same way we sort of, I think, try and make movies. Like we just want it to continue and share stories and, you know be excited by the creative work of other people. I'm always, you know, there's always so in awe when like you get to the point of shooting and everyone is doing, every department sort of doing their jobs or you're like, this is incredible. This is like what you work toward. And yeah. Exciting, no matter what movie it is. To get yeah. It's, it's such a symphony of like everybody coming together to create their art. It's why I think movies are so special television as well, but, but particularly the, the filmmaking experience because you're, it's such a finite amount of time. Whereas TV shows you're, it's such a longer thing. People can cycle in and out, but a movie is like this little vortex, you know, where it's like, you just have these 30 days or whatever to like live and breathe this thing and bring it to life. And I think anybody who's tried to like write and shoot and be in their own thing and be their own art department and their hair and makeup person, all of that, like goes, wow. I had no idea all of the amount of people you really need to make to make something, you know, feel and look real and intimate, which is so cool, you know, yeah. uh, which is why you know, I, I love our industry so much and production particularly because it is such an inclusive place. In my uh, dark days, I try to like, remember <laughs> that I'm like, oh, this is like, it seems so dark, like film releasing. And then with this documentary, we're just, you know, festival is still cracking. And you're like, oh, okay, like, you have like renewed energy for it that because other yeah. people are do, like are, other people are, you know, passionate about it too. So I think like a film set, you just like see that so clearly. You're like, okay, like this is all worth it. You sort of like forget. Totally, it's like real. It's tangible, right? It's like you see it unfold in real time. It's pretty incredible. What is a piece of like wisdom that you wish creatives in our industry, like artists, writers, understood or knew better about working with producers? I maybe that I think there's a lot of kinds of producers, and obviously the line producer, which is um, much different than your creative producer. I think if you have a creative producer as a partner, it's a lot different than you know, someone who's more of a physical producer. And I think knowing that strength, you can really utilize sort of like whether it's um, insight into, um, you know, how a 
scene could go or logistically blending the creative. Like, I think that's an interesting skill and that's a producer has that mind that they think with. And, and sometimes there are producers that are just like different. So it's, it's, I think it's kind of knowing the strength of your producer, not, not just like the strength of like what they're good at, but just like how to best understand them. Because I think like producers such a wide, people come up to me and they're like, I don't know what an EP is. And there's obviously people outside of the industry, but you're like, oh yeah, right. Like Why would you? There, yeah. there's so many like producer monikers and maybe that's not a nugget of wisdom necessarily, but I think it's interesting to know the background of your producer as much as your director or your writer or, um, and, and come together and sort of utilize all that, all that strength and from that or, or taste, you know? Yeah. I mean, hopefully what's one of my goals with the podcast is through every conversation, get a little closer to giving people a little bit clear insight into the, all the different kinds of producers that we walk amongst you, you know, and we all bring our own like life experiences to, to the definition of what a, what a producer is to that person. Um, so I'm curious, how would you define a producer? I mean, from my own experiences, I, I, I like I think the very broad way to describe a producer is like really to help create the vision of the director and and trying to get there both creatively and also in a manner that you know your investors appreciate because at the end of the day you want those investors to continue investing in movies and to give them a good experience, but also to like protect the vision of your. Um, your director to get the movie that they really want to make. So I think it's like a blend of sort of thinking how to achieve both those, both those things um, to be really responsible when you're thinking about your budgets, but also allowing for um, room to, to really be creative and, and think outside of the box. And, and, um, and so I think there's like a responsibility there on every side. And I think that's why the producer, the, the, being the producers, pretty tricky because there's a lot of things you have to think about and um but you always want to make the best movie possible and not just be like oh we can't you know there's no way we can afford that like that's just not an option you have to think about other ways to get it done but you know so I, I I think like you want to make sure that just everyone you work with keeps making movies you know and both on the business side and the creative side and and um how do you achieve that yeah every film is different, you know, and you just have to take, I think, knowledge from other movies. To, yeah. To do that. Yeah. It's always easier said than done. But, um, but I think that once you're a producer and you have, you have some tricks up your sleeve and how to accomplish it as you work more and make more movies. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like that thing where it really isn't quantifiable, right? Cause you have, you bring like 20 years of knowledge and insight into how you're going to make a decision and to be able to put a monetary value on what that means. I, and I think it's why there's such a mystery and an allure behind it all. And I think the more we can talk about it, and I think for the people listening who a lot of the listeners are actually not producers, they're just filmmakers, people in our business who are trying to deepen their own understanding of what, what the heck a producer is or does because there's so many of us across the different disciplines you know yeah like understanding kind of who best to go to for your script and what you need at that moment because sometimes people need just a line producer early on and like right to get really nitty-gritty with you know budgets and understanding that and then some people need someone to kind of really construct a bigger strategy for the whole film and understand like how to raise the money and and um and who to go to and sometimes 
people need more like logistical creative help on the script. So there's like a range and it's like, which, at which point do you, you need, you know, ideally you'd have just like a producer who could have knowledge of everything, but it's not, you know, necessarily realistic either. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also a lot of people who are more the, on the creative side, I think sometimes just want to get a producer. They just need a producer, but it's not just, yes, find a producer with the skills, like you mentioned, that are going to meet what your need is in this moment. But also it is such a marriage. If you're looking for someone to just do a budget or whatever for higher consults, that's one thing. But if you're looking for someone who's going to go down this journey with you, it's like dating. It is. You're going to tether yourself to this person. So I always give this advice. You, a lot of writers are like, read my script. I want to work with you. It's like, yeah, but you should be interviewing everyone because you need to make sure that this is going to be a symbiotic thing, that this is going to be a good fit. Yeah, no, no, I know. It, um, it is true. And, and it's part of your, you know, as I said, I think you want to make sure that you're going to be able to understand what that creator, writer, director wants to do. And and I think if, if a producer isn't, they might hamper that process. And, and then I don't know how you know, a great of experience it is. It's such a dance because it's like you have to know that I think in the beginning, and I say the beginning, I think the beginning lasts about 10 years for most people that you're going to have to like kiss a lot of frogs, I guess, to keep with the dating metaphor, (laughs) you know, where you're going to have to just go through some experiences that are not going to be ideal because there's something you need to gain from that, that are you're going to put in your arsenal, whether you are the producer or you are the creative who's looking for a producer so that you can get better and better at sharpening that, that sensibility. So you can start attracting those people that are going to be on that journey with you in the long run. when you do get to that stage, right, where you've kind of earned your stripes, like you've been through the projects where you've almost quit the business and you've worked with the shady people and you're like, I don't want that. How do I get that? Um, And just really taking the time to find that. I think it's an important step that a lot of people seem to overlook. And from what I've observed, what can lead to burnout and cynicism um, very early, earlier than uh, one would like, you know, so... Yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, I think particularly in producing profession, you know, there's a lot of unknowns. And that's just if you're not someone who can kind of like, digest and move on with that, that's a really scary place to be, you know, and it is like unknown for the next project, unknown if this project will happen, unknown about like, yeah, yeah, like you, you kind of have to understand if you're like suited to that a little bit, not that, you know, half the time, you're a little bit blind going into things, but it's, okay. yeah. A lot of the producers I've had the privilege of speaking to really seem like it's just a personality thing. Like you're either cut from the same cloth or you're not. You either thrive in chaos and something about the unknown is mostly exciting as opposed to terrifying than not. When I discovered that this was a a thing you could do, I was like, oh, I've been doing this my whole life. Like I didn't know that this was like a job. I just juggle multiple things and have a lot of energy and you know, can multitask and I'm really organized and I love dealing with people and just kind of learn the hard skills along the way. Where did you start? Uh, well, I started because I, I came out here to pursue acting. And then about three years into that journey, I sort of got frustrated. The industry was so different back then. You know, um, YouTube was just starting. And so I was like, well, I want to create my own opportunities. And how do I do that? Well, I'm not a writer, so I'm going to produce something. And I produced a play that ran for six weeks. Uh, actually, almost it was 10 years ago in May. So I guess officially you could say I started producing 10 years ago. 
And um, I, it was one of those things where I just didn't know it was impossible. So I was just like, I'm just going to do it. So I got the rights to the play. I got an investor. You know, I cast actors who were better than me and paid people and just kind of did it all while holding down three part-time jobs and just was the lead of this play, was producing the thing, didn't know what I was doing. And just at the end of that experience, I hoped to have gotten, you know, better representation and more exposure as an actor. And I got some of that, but what most people were impressed by was like, they were like, you, you put all of this together. I was like, yeah. And they're like, and you didn't know what you were doing. And I was like, yeah, they're like, this is really impressive. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, this is just, I've been doing a version of this my whole life. You know, it came easy to me, whereas I think finding myself as an artist was always something that was more challenging in many ways. But everyone and their mother at that point had a short or a project and I started producing and just learning from the ground up. And that's kind of how I got on there and had the good fortune of getting aligned with projects that kind of helped me what it feels like expedite my journey a little bit, you know, like with uh, this documentary, I produced autism and love like two years later, I was in production on a feature length doc and didn't know what I was doing either. But I was like, I know I can figure it out. And I think that's the that's the the personality kind of click, you know, that that you know, you don't know what you don't know, but you know, that you can figure something about it out. And that that part of it is mostly thrilling than like, Oh, I don't want to mess this up. You're like, I could mess this up, but what if I don't? What if I figure it out and it all works out fine? Let's go, you know? Yeah, exactly. Answering one of your other questions is that, like, it is kind of cool when you make more movies, like, work with um, someone a couple times because you get to know them and the language and working with Chloe, who's, I think, is an incredible director, like, like now three times. Like, it's just amazing to see you know the different capabilities um that some person has because she's pulled through very different stories and i think that's kind of interesting um when you get the opportunity to do that i think that's a really cool thing to witness well obviously chloe's chloe's been around for a long time as an actor and so i think it goes both ways you know she's she's also elected to work with you three times for a reason so what would you say you bring to the table that makes a creative want to keep coming back and, and collaborating with you i i mean we you know i think we've not only just been producer and director but we've become you know, close friends and i think part of that is um i i think it's kind of just always trying to say yeah, we'll figure it out. I think that's part of it. And I think that's what we're talking about this whole episode. Like, okay, we can figure it out. Like, what do you want to do? Like, what you want to try that? Let's try that. Like shooting on 35 millimeter. It's nothing should be like scary. It should be, you know, I think something that like, okay, like we'll figure it out until we can't, you know? And I think it's to be like, Ooh, that looks really tough to do. I don't know. Or you know, with this first time filmmaker, like, ah, maybe you want to like set your sights a little lower. And I think that's like, maybe women get that a lot. But, um, and I've heard that from other filmmakers, like in the, the Shadowbox involved, yeah. and speaking. And, and it's like, it's like, no, like, actually, like, I think it's just the opposite. Like, let's try until we absolutely can't. Yeah. You know, I think there's a very easy way to be like, oh, you're, you know, that's really hard to do or that's really expensive. It's like, okay, well, the job of producers is to figure out, like, how to do that even with those 
things eventually. Right, right. Yeah, like how to create the sandbox that's going to meet all the criteria, right? Like of the budget and the schedule and all of the things and giving the parameters, but always being open to exploring that maybe there are nooks and crannies that you haven't like looked through to find different entry points into something. Yeah. yeah. The last question before I let you go is the advice question, but I want to tailor it specifically to not people who are starting out, but maybe a mid-level producer and is wanting to tear jump and go to that next level of their career, whether they have been somewhere for a while and want to maybe venture out on their own. Um, What advice would you give for someone who is kind of percolating in the middle and wants to take it to the next level? I think that's kind of a little bit what I touched on before. I think there's you maybe have earned the right to be a little more particular about your projects and um, and, and maybe choose something that um, is is maybe go after, I guess, things that are a little bigger or um, different from what you can focus on side life or, or um, you know, greater level uh, and sort of make an active effort to, to go bigger I, I don't know I mean it, yeah, yeah. it's like a broad question like I think you know, people's careers are but I think often like even for me like you know I think that you you want to always challenge yourself of course and that means you know even if it's like thinking about developing a tv series and this and that like you know which is what I'm pretty immersed in right now like it's like a different ways kind of you know reach the industry and I think that like examining what you've made and like what's that how do you build on that and what's that bigger step I whether it's a movie or whether it's a series or whether it's a documentary that feels really like timely and, and something so I, I think that there's um or whether it's even just like searching down IP that you really love and you're like on a mission to make it and you get it made you know it just depends I think it's examining what you've been doing and how do you build on that next to like broaden. Yeah. I think that's great. I think there's people, like I said, with all different backgrounds who listen to the show, but it's like, okay, well, once you've been doing X, Y, and Z, what then, how do you then get to that next level of whatever it is you're trying to do? And I I think your answer applies to all of it, (laughs) you know, uh, from where I'm sitting and, um, I'm so grateful to you for taking the time to share a little bit of your story and a lot of your wisdom with me and the listeners. It's, it's truly an honor. No, thank you for having me. It was fun. I was like, I'm I'm not necessarily like suited, feel like I'm suited to this, but, um, Oh my gosh, not at all. Not at all. It's fun. And, um, it's always good to like reflect back on what you've been doing and and look at it from, you know, the outside looking in a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Different stages in your career. And, um, and I think we're all always, you know, square zero, square one depending on the project, but but that's kind of the fun of it. And also, as we talked about, (laughs) the hard part about it. The hard part of it. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, this, the show has become like free therapy and it gives me a sense of community and a reminder every time that no matter who anyone is or who they work with or what impressive accolades they have or may not have at the end of the day, the producer journey is often such a lonely one that I, 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 I think it's nice to feel that a kinship with other fellow producers when we talk about the ups and downs and just get it on this deeper level. And it's nice. It's really cool. You're doing it because it's like there, for every kind of something out there, there's a little bit of like something you can listen to and get some insight into. It's kind of fascinating. It's always something you can look to. So it's a cool, it's a, 
it's not a, a covered career, I think. So it's cool that you're <laughs> Yes, thank you. Thank you. And that's this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you don't already, please subscribe, rate, review on Apple, on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcast. Follow me on the socials. I'm at Carolina Gropa. The show's at Life with Kaka. And I'll see you next week. Beijos.